Welcome to The Accountant Quits, brought to you by Request Finance, an all-in-one platform for crypto organizations and freelancers to easily manage and track their invoices, salaries, and expenses in a compliant way. On this podcast, we discuss how blockchain will impact the accounting profession and how accountants should prepare themselves for the future of work. My name's Umar, your host, and even if some might refer to me as The Accountant Gone Rogue, My job is to provide you with the blockchain knowledge you need that will be relevant for the accounting industry as a whole. Welcome to episode 38. Embracing cryptocurrency into your business can be a daunting undertaking. Even for the crypto savvy and builders in the space, there are many hurdles for them to make their organization be functioning entirely on crypto rails. While you should expect the transition to be gradual and perhaps even boring, Starting small and experimenting today will provide your business with the first mover advantage. Three of the biggest hurdles to going corporate with crypto today are the following. First, payments and treasury management. Secondly, tracking your wallets and transactions. And finally, exchanging crypto into fiat. To discuss how you can start building your business on crypto and embrace this open financial system, Today I have the pleasure to be speaking to Tsibo, the CEO and founder of Maltis. Maltis allows organizations to manage their crypto treasury and cash flow, run crypto payroll, track spending across wallets and have recently launched corporate cards to allow your business to off-ramp and pay in USD within a few seconds. In this episode today we'll discuss the mindset change of what building a business on crypto entails What is Maltis, its features and how to get started? The good practices to have around tracking wallets, treasury management and off-ramping, the approach to upskill your team for crypto finance and operations and much more. Sibu, welcome to the show and thanks for making the time to be here. I'm super happy to be here. Can we start by sharing a bit of your personal journey into blockchain and the whole story of how Maltis started? Sure. My crypto story started a few years back, so 2014. So I used to work as an investment banker in a really big French investment bank. And, you know, I discovered crypto first as a speculative asset, right? So I'm talking about Bitcoin mostly, you know, Monero, uh, Zcash, those OG, you know, layer one OGs. That was the first discovery, I guess, the first contact point. When I really, really got into crypto, I really started to realize the potential of this brand new tech. You know, everything happened in 2000, late 2015. I quit my investment banking job. I joined a politician running for campaign, for president, actually. And I was working closely with one of his chief advisors, especially on mobilization and voting. And that's, you know, we were trying to find new ways to prevent fraud, to, you know, track campaign funding, you know, to fight corruption. And that's how we started to meet entrepreneurs in the civic tech space. And some of them, many of them, actually, which we're trying to build the systems, you know, this anti-fraud, anti-corruption systems on the blockchain, right? So we're talking about color coins at that time, not necessarily ERC with 20 or tokens, but all these people, you know, were using crypto as a tool for empowerment. So here we're talking about empowerment for citizen. And this is, I guess, the reason why I'm going this far back is that this idea of empowerment is core to what we do today at Maltis, right? So we're not necessarily empowering citizens. But we believe we're empowering entrepreneurs and operators to navigate the complicated waters of crypto today. Now, the listeners of this podcast already have a good understanding of Web3, but given the title of the episode today, 
which is building a business on crypto, I thought it might be helpful to start with the ideological reminder of Web3. So for people who still need to be convinced or need a reminder about the philosophical underpinnings of Web3 and why it's necessary to let go of this antiquated, siloed and closed financial model and now embrace a decentralized financial model, could you paint us a picture of the mindset change required to move one's business on crypto? So you first have to acknowledge that it's a change of paradigm, right? And, you know, the first idea that, you know, that comes to mind here is self-custody. This is one of the big change, right? Crypto is a world where you cannot yell at somebody because you lost access to your account. You're in charge. It's your keys. It's your money. That's what we always say. So I guess the first thing to come to realize when starting to run a business on crypto is that you're going to have to rely on good practices. You're going to have to rely on internal key management in order for you to really, really, you know, leverage the power of DeFi, the power of crypto. So I guess we can probably talk about multi-signature wallets and, you know, some of the other features that we, we provide among other companies. But this idea of self-custody is key. I guess the, the second thing that comes to mind is you need to, and that's one of the main, main issues today, right? You need to, everything starts with a mindset. It's not even, it's not even about tooling. One of the big, big, big mistakes that a lot of companies do and that we did was, for example, to not track transactions, right? You just need a spreadsheet to start going. You just need a spreadsheet to just, you know, add a few transactions you're doing rather than, you know, relying on old Etherscan links, for example. So this is the first thing to do. And this is a good example, you know, that basic stuff like, you know, the name of the sender, the name of the receiver, you know, the name of the wallet you used with the, you know, the public key associated to it. Those are the things that you should keep, that you should log in order for you to run your business a little bit smoothly. So that's when you start, right? So again, everything is a mindset. It's about key management. It's about logging transactions. It's about making sure that you give proper education to whoever's working with you within the company. You do have internal risk. All people may not be familiar with crypto. So, you know, as a business owner, you need to educate people on those good practices to avoid, to mitigate risk. And I guess those are the two first things that really comes to mind. First one is really like almost ideological, right? You choose crypto. So... You know, you have to embrace self-custody. It comes with benefits, but it comes to, you know, it comes with risk as well in terms of key management. Your money will be 24-7 available for your business, uh, but you have to be careful about the way you manage keys. And the second thing is very more practical. It's about mindset. You need to record transactions and you don't necessarily need complicated to do so, but you have to start day one. Now, before we go into the nuts and bolts of the different elements organizations have to get right to run the business on crypto, I wanted you to introduce us Maltis and provide an overview of the different features available on the Maltis platform today. Let's do this. So what do we provide today? The main thing we build today, we provide, you know, USD bank accounts and corporate cards for web three companies. And we do so by merging the best of both the traditional finance world with USD account and debit card and the DeFi world, right? Because, you know, all, because the way we work with our assets is like 100% self-custodial. We rely on multi-signature wallets. So in a sense, we really give you the ability to move seamlessly from crypto to fiat to USD so that you can both, you know, leverage crypto payments, for example, run your crypto payroll. But at the same time, you know, we do have to acknowledge that most of our, you know, spending today, it's still USD denominated, right? You have to pay your rent in USD. Uh, you have to pay... Uh, you know, your, your, your team dinners in USD as well. And, and that's where we help. That's where we help. Those are the main features, right? Again, USD bank accounts, debit cards, exchange, of course, 
to move from the multi-signature wallet to the USD bank account and debit card. And on top of that, once you access the basics, which we believe are the basics of running your business with crypto, right? We give you some more advanced tools like, you know, tracking features. So the ability to link multiple external wallets so that you always have a very holistic overview of what's going on with the company's funds. And, you know, we also help you manage more, I guess, have a more granular user management system. So you can add, you can invite multiple people in the wallet can be admins, they can be teammates with a very limited rights, and you can work, you know, you can build workflows around this so that whether it's a crypto or a USD payment, there are always limitations to them, controls and visibility over, over the, the company's assets. Now, I want to dive into all these elements a little bit more in detail, and I want to start with multi-sig wallet, which is, I think, one of the fundamental aspects for an organization to get right if they want to build their business on crypto. So for an organization like LLC, a single key wallet is not secure to manage their crypto funds as, of course, it runs the risk of an employee or if it's a DAO of a DAO contributor misappropriating the funds. So as its name implies for listeners who are not very familiar, a multi-signature wallet or multi-sig requires a minimum number of people to approve a transaction before it can occur. Now, Multis is built with Gnosis Safe, which is often referred to as the gold standard when it comes to multi-sig wallets. Could you tell the listeners why a multi-sig is the way to go for their treasury management and the difference between using Gnosis Safe's native app or through Multis? What are some of the additional features that users will have using the Multis platform? So I guess there are four main reasons which prompted us to build on top of Gnosis Safe Wallet. The first thing is really easy. It's an open source smart contract, which means anybody can actually build something on top of it, right? It's open source, it's battle tested, it's super robust, it's storing billions and billions and billions of funds. So we felt that this was the good choice of custody architecture for a solution. That's reason number one. I guess reason number two and three are related to risk. When, and I quickly mentioned this, managing crypto comes with risk, right? You don't have anybody to yell at when you lose access to your, to your accounts. So you have both social risk, what we call social risk, and what we call third-party risk. Social risk is essentially having somebody in the company rage quitting, for example, and sending funds to his own wallet. So it's basically stealing the company's money. Now, it's really hard to prove today, and you may not be able to retrieve this money. So you need to have an unchained blockchain-native system of approvals, right? You need to be able to control who's making crypto transfers. And that's what you referred to in your definition. You need multiple signature to unlock funds. So this is social risk, internal risk, right? And then you have third-party risk. You know, it's a thing to leave your funds at Coinbase. Coinbase is really secure. It's, you know, the biggest, it's now a security company, but what about all the other kinds of wallets where you could, you know, other exchanges where you will leave funds? Every single week, <laughs> you have the owner of one of these exchanges just running away with the funds. Because everything is controlled, millions and millions and millions, everything is controlled with one single key that the exchange owner's executive team owns. Uh, they can also freeze your accounts, like Binance did a few months back, like so many of them do. So this third-party risk means that for some reason, you may not be able to use your funds or you know, to access them. So that's another thing that you know, self-custody and multi-signature wallets prevents. And I guess the last thing that I always like to mention is that self-custody and multi-signature wallet especially, is way more convenient and powerful 
than a ledger wallet, a hardware key, for example, because you can always access it. You only need some bandwidth you know, and a computer to access your funds, which is obviously not the case with the ledger key. So it's super convenient and you can you know, natively integrate it with DeFi, which makes it super more usable. So those, in a nutshell, are the main reason why we decided to build remote signature wallets, especially Gnosis Safe, given, as you mentioned, this is one of the gold standard in the space with multiple teams building on top of it. Moving on to the other aspect for organizations to get right is their accounts receivable and accounts payable process, I would say. So for businesses looking to set up their invoicing on crypto and they want to pay and be paid in cryptocurrency, I always say using legacy tools is not the way to go. And for example, preparing PDF invoices, for me, it's a time-ticking bomb for the accounting that ensues. It requires hours in manually reconciling data from different blockchain explorers, for example. So when it comes for organizations to set up their accounts receivable and accounts payable workflow and approval process, how should that look like and how should they approach this? I think it depends on the size of the company. I don't think it makes sense to have multiple tools when your company with like five employees or when you're not making more than say 50 transactions a month. So I'd say that for a very simple invoicing process, I do think that some basic features like tags, categories, notes, attachments, it's fine. You know, most of companies don't do it in Web2 anyway. So this is not necessarily related to, to Web3. Now, when it comes to bigger companies running more complex workflows involving more parties, departments, I do think that you need a specialized tool, just like you need in Web2. And, you know, one of the tools that comes to mind is Request Network, for example. Uh, that's a tool that we'd like to integrate to Maltese to give bigger teams the ability to streamline this part of the process as well. So invoicing is one. The other one that Maltese offers is around payroll, which is called Maltese MassPay. For companies wishing to pay their employees in crypto, could you explain how batched payments work right now in Maltese and whether this is a full-fledged payroll solution, what can companies expect to have and maybe some of the features that are not there right now? So I'd like to think about payroll in two ways, right? I think there are two components. The first one is the payment flow per se. So how do you actually make the payment? And the second one is more like the regulations, the, the compliance part around it, right? How do you, if you're working with a contractor, you need a 1099 in the US, for example, all this kind of papers, admin stuff that goes around the actual payment flow. Maltis is only covering the payment flow today. So what we, you know, so a company, so we actually have like huge companies like Axie Infinity, Odius, Connext, so many of them running the payroll with us. The way we do it is very simple. They import a list of contact as a CSV. So we have a contact book on the platform. And from this contact book, you can really easily add payments rather than making multiple payments, you know, individually and improving them manually. And individually, again, what you would do here is just simply choose the contact from your contact book. You can actually upload the CSV right there as well. So you don't necessarily have to save them in your contact book. Everything will be populated in the cryptocurrency of your choosing. And you will validate, add notes, categories, et cetera, for all these payments. And you will validate that with a standard multi-signature approval workflow. So for example, if you're, if you're the initiator of the transaction, I would have to approve it as well. So basically, batch payment is super powerful insofar as it enables team to do up to 100 payments instead of in once, instead of like 100 individual payments. It saves a lot of time. So if you're talking to big companies like Sky Mavis, I mean, we're talking hours here, right? Because, you know, running individual payment is fine when you do one or two payments a month. Uh, when you start doing, like I said, 100, 200, 
it's a mess. You need to streamline this whole process and that's where we help. And I'd say that uh, the last cool thing with this feature is that even though I'm not 100% satisfied yet by the way we've built it, we're still enable teams to save on gas fees, right? Because again, you're going to batch those payments, right? So you're going to pay less gas fees. So people should not expect to pay the equivalent gas fee relative to one transaction. It's going to be way more, but it's like actually not proportional to the size of the batch. So that's another cool thing I'd like to mention as well. So you're going to save time and you're going to save money. And the third element I wanted to touch on today is off-ramping. So Maltis has recently unveiled its off-ramping solution with corporate debit cards, which now allows organizations to spend in USD from their crypto wallet in a matter of few seconds. So essentially, this is solving one of the biggest pain points with using crypto for payments, as now your company no longer needs to use a centralized exchange. Could you tell us a bit more about the off-ramp solution offered by Maltis and how it complements the whole experience of building a business using crypto now? Well, as I mentioned, off-ramping today, if you start generating fees, revenues in crypto, if you receive an investment in crypto, which is you know, more and more often the case, you need an easy way to spend it on you know, goods and services. And most of them today, whether they are travel bills or you know, asset dinners, etc., most of them are still in fiat, in USD. So we built a tool, you know, which helps companies streamline you know, the whole crypto treasury management processes. So we felt this was a natural, that was like a missing piece. Being able to do so in a more holistic way, being able to manage your treasury, not only for crypto, but only for fiat, for USD. So now how do we do that? Super simple. Oh yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, you can actually spend up to 1000 coins, not necessarily USD only, because we do have an exchange like a decentralized exchange. So if you are, for example, a DAO, if you are receiving protocol tokens, you know, as a contractor, you can actually swap them against USD, DAI, ETH, and from then you can off-ramp, right? So of course, V1 is not fully automated. V2 will be fully automated, which will give you literally the ability to say, spend your AVE tokens at your coffee shop. This is super exciting. And one of my follow-up questions on this was, is it necessary to have a multi-sig with Maltis to get a debit card? How is the application process like? So you don't necessarily need to have an existing multi-signature wallet to open an account on Maltis. You can you know, just create a wallet on the fly, and that's fine. And if you don't want to use any multi-signature features, meaning having several admins, you can just use it on your own, right? Again, you're in charge. So that's not necessarily a prerequisite to apply for those bank accounts. Two things. When you start with Maltese, you get access for crypto features for free, right? Everything is based on transactions. So when you make a swaps, for example, using a decentralized exchange integrated, we're using Paraswap integrated into a platform, we're going to get a fee. So that's a very simple and transparent business model. Now, if you want to upgrade and access those corporate debit cards and USD bank accounts and exchange features, the centralized exchange to effectively off-ramp your crypto, you need to apply, right? And for now, we only support US registered businesses. So now it's restricted to the US and we're working hard and hard to, to open it up to Europe and then other geographies. So the application process is actually super simple. And that's something I'm extremely, extremely proud about. The team has been doing a fantastic job streamlining this very, very clunky and frustrating process for, for people in the space. So the whole process, you know, lasts less than 10 minutes. We actually have the founder yesterday who did it in three minutes. That's the record time. You should expect 10 minutes, to be honest. So once you've done that, we can actually approve you provided you've got the right documentation, we can actually approve you within a day. We actually approved somebody two days ago in 47 minutes. That's the record. 47 minutes compared to 
for five months on Coinbase compared to weeks on Circular Kraken, compared to I don't even know how much time you need to open a bank account now since banks you know, you know still don't want to work with crypto. So that's a huge game changer. So bottom line, it is super, super easy to open an account, access and use those debit cards for the simple reason that everything is built around Web3 organizations. We are natively Web3, which means we know your business, we know your business model, we know where your money comes from, and we certainly won't shut you down. Wow, that's a killer value proposition. Before we continue, we'll take a quick commercial break from our sponsor. As a freelancer, Request Finance has been a game changer in how I invoice my clients and receive stable coins and crypto directly in my wallet. Previously, I would be preparing my invoice in a spreadsheet, copy and paste my wallet address and save it as a PDF. My client would have to manually pay my invoice and reconciling those transactions was a tedious task for me. Now with Request Finance, I can create professional looking invoices in the currency of my choice, whether a local currency like USD or Euro and be paid in crypto. Request Finance integrates with more than 10 blockchains, including Polygon, Phantom, Near Protocol, and their dashboard allows me to quickly see the status and history of all invoices. The manual reconciliation days is now over. Also, there's no subscription fee to their platform. It's completely free if you're the issuer, and the payer is only charged a 0.1% fee on the amount of your invoice and capped at $2 per invoice. Yeah, it's ridiculously cheap. And Request Finance is not just for freelancers. Leading blockchain projects like The Sandbox, Aave, The Graph, MakerDAO are also using their platform to manage their payments, payroll, expenses and accounting. But hey, don't take my word for it. Try it out for yourself. Create your first immutable crypto invoice now by visiting request.finance and for a limited period of time, you can earn $10 in REC tokens when you sign up using promo link at theaccountantquits.com slash request. Get paid easily in crypto. Sign up now at theaccountantquits.com slash request. One of the other questions I had was, so prior to this podcast, I listened to one of your interviews on Runway Series that you did earlier this year. And you mentioned over there that you were somehow... Maltese was like very early in the game in a way. So I was thinking like humans in general, and I succumb to this as well, that we tend to overstate sometimes our predictive abilities. So ever since you started building Maltese in 2019, you've iterated your business model and, and your product positioning. I want to ask you over the upcoming month, also we're in a bear market right now, what would need to happen for you to validate that you found your product market fit and who would you say is your target audience in the upcoming 12 months let's say we'll be focusing only on the web3 organizations essentially small web3 organizations in the next 12 months so we're talking about founders getting the initial funding we're talking about companies starting to generate revenues with crypto bootstrapping generally we're talking about team less than 50 people right so this is the core target for us this is a subset of a way bigger market that we don't want to address right now. So I guess now the PMA for us, product market fit for us, which we will enable us to go further and to raise another round of financing is basically to confirm that those people, those founders, those entrepreneurs, those smaller companies, you know, have a need for a solution. 
we're super, you know, we believe in this, but we have to confirm it, right? Market validation. We need to make sure that they enjoy the product, that they rave about the product, and that they stick to it, right? So this is retention. And I guess the last thing that we want to validate is that we have a repeatable way of finding those customers. It's all about acquisition. So once we've confirmed our assumptions, things are going super well, have been going super well over the past month, so we're pretty confident about this, we will believe that we, we've reached the product market fit. Can I ask you right now, what are some of the biggest challenges faced by Maltese for adoption? This could range from anything about regulation, education, communication. I guess one of the biggest challenges we had was on a, on a product side, on a technical side. You know, Building a hybrid fiat crypto infrastructure is insanely hard. And I do believe that we've cracked it. This is the first obstacle we've overcome. This is still a gray area around crypto, right? And we see that it's still unclear whether self-custodial providers, for example, will be regulated or not as MSB in the state, money service businesses. So I'd say that all this, those different shades of gray around crypto can act as some kind of a blocker for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, right? So this is one of the main, you know, I'd say critical factors to adoption indeed. I do believe that the space has been making, you know, if you did ask me two years ago, I would probably tell you that UX in a space is miserable, was miserable, and that we needed to change this. We have been making a lot of headways there. So I'm actually even more confident on our ability to onboard businesses. I do think that as a business owner, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you need to embrace that crypto is a different paradigm as well, right? Which probably neglected two years ago, and that was actually one of the fields of Maltese. We wanted to abstract crypto complexity, to hide it completely without realizing that, you know, a lot of the people willing to use crypto to run the business with crypto just didn't want to abstract it at all, right? They wanted to see it. They wanted to use native tokens. They, they didn't want to hide it, you know, behind USDC, for example. So I guess, yeah, very briefly, that, that would be my answer to this. Earlier, when we started the podcast, you said that amongst the mindset change that we need is to educate the staff of the organization. Now, I want to ask you, what should companies know today about upskilling their accountants, CFO, controllers, when it comes to building a business on crypto? Let's say if I'm the CFO of a company and I'm listening to you right now on this podcast, and I want to slowly establish different processes around the different areas we spoke of, multisig, ARAP, off-ramping, how to educate my team and build like a project plan maybe about this transition? Well... You should start with listening to your podcast, for example. <laughs> it's a tough one, actually. I'd say that once you cover the basics that we mentioned, right, which is how do you store your assets, how do you have controls, and, and how do you easily you know, move from crypto to fiat, I'd say that you need to do your own research. To do your own research. You need, as a CFO, to start you know, using those tools, feel the pain a little bit so that you can really find the right tools for your organization. It is a pretty vague answer, but it's hard to, we're still in this phase where there's no clear market leader. There's no standards yet. There's no reference in how you should manage your crypto. So my general rule of thumb will be to start with, you know, use cases that you have in Web2, apply to Web3. So for example, running a payroll or, you know, logging a transaction is something you should do with Web2 anyway, so that you can use this, you can basically use those tools and try to find the equivalent with Web3. And that's where, you know, optimizing for UX you know, without compromising security with tools like, of course, we're talking about multis because we're building this, you know, for CFOs and entrepreneurs, but, you know, tools like Request Network, tools like Bitwave, for example, like accounting tool. Those are tools that are built around the very Web2 UX that should enable your team to get started pretty quick. 
I do think that might be a little bit too soon to do crazy complex yield stuff as a CFO or as a treasurer and delegate this to this team. I wouldn't venture this far. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. There's no blueprint, I would say, to build a business right now. You learn by doing. And for the crypto curious among us, those are the ones who, I guess, who will be probably the most rewarded in the end. The episode is coming to an end. So I want to ask you for your closing thoughts around building a business on crypto. So for all folks listening right now, especially business founders, CFOs, controllers who have started who understand the merits of crypto, and now they want to switch their business operations on crypto, what would be your closing thoughts about maybe the easiest step they can take today and the one thing that they need to get right for them to shift their business on crypto today? You need a very convenient tool to get started. And I'm going to be like 100% unbiased here, but you should start with Maltese. The reason is <laughs> you need to store security your assets and you need to perform a few payments. Those are the basic of the basics to you know get you up to speed. And you know, the mere fact, the very fact of just you know making a payment will convince you of how powerful crypto is. So you know, start working with a contractor in you know a country abroad, for example, start running a few payments with a basic solution. Of course, I'm talking about multis because I do think that we're building something easy, you know very convenient to onboard the next million of businesses on crypto. But that could be other tool we mentioned, but Gnosis does have an application. Try to run a few payments on this. That's really how to get started. And, and you can scale with, with more complex tools later on. I realize, am I answering your question here? <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> Just wanted to double check. It doesn't have to be a direct answer. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, as soon as you start, I mean, you know, Transparently, as soon as you as soon as you start running some payments, and then your payment just you know goes to the other side of the world in literally ten seconds, and when you incur like ten cents, you know one hundred k worth of crypto transfers, it's this feeling. I mean, it's magic, really. That's how we should start. You know, don't start with complex stuff like DeFi, NFTs, yield farming, all this stuff for and people. Just run, make a simple payment with USDC or Dai. It is a tremendous experience. And that's really how I got into it when I really started to be convinced by the, how powerful those new payment rails could be. Thibaut, there's a last question that I like to ask to my guests before they leave is, do you have a quote or maxim that you live by? I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to stick to somebody very crypto. Yeah, I could tell you Wagmi, right? We're going to make it because we're still in the process of building this whole industry. You know, I'd like to think that Multis is, we're builders you know, building for builders. But I'd like to finish on something which is really related to the bear market we're in, which is a quote from Robert. So Robert is the, the CEO of, of Compound, one of our investors, early investors. And he always says, you need to focus, execute, and win. And this is all we should do in a bear market, especially in the bear market. And in the end, this is something very simple, but extremely powerful for an entrepreneur like me. The ability to focus is a superpower, I think. <laughs> It is, it's very especially hard in these days. where there's so many new things popping up, you know, there's every day, everywhere. there's so many new integration, shiny new protocols. You have to, you really have to remain laser focused on your vision. You know, our vision is very simple. We want to build a financial backbone of the Web3 economy. And that's all, you know, that matters. We need to execute, right? We need to be consistent in a way we improve the product, talk to our users, iterate, make mistakes. And that's how we win the day, very yeah. simply. 
Sibu, thanks a lot for coming in today. Really enjoyed speaking to you about different elements that goes into building a business on crypto. Before we go, if people want to reach out to you and they want to learn more about Maltese, how should they do so? Where can they reach out to you on social media, for example? So we do have Twitter, uh, of course, Twitter and LinkedIn channels. So, you know, Twitter is pretty easy. It's Maltese HQ, same thing on LinkedIn. They can actually send us an email. You know, we have links on Maltese.com. We are extremely responsive. We're still a very small team. So we take a lot of joy to respond directly to any inquiry that they are from, you know, users, curious people or potential partners. So this is a very easy way to join us as well. Thibaut, thanks a lot for coming today. We did exceed a little bit of the time that we had allocated for this episode. And thank you so much for making the time for it. Thanks so much for having me. I would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. You will find all the links of the episode, show notes and transcript on the website of The Accountant Quits at theaccountantquits.com. Please note that this content is for general information purposes only and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. If you do know anyone who could benefit from the episode and you care about them, please do share the episode with them. All the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And by leaving us a review and rating, you will support the channel and all your fellow accountants. In order to be notified each time we release a new episode, do follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope to have you with us next time. Bye for now.